Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the story came out and I wasn't sure what to make of it. That Dunham, Dunham I called him, Durham, finally put out an indictment. Durham refers to John Durham, who was appointed by the Attorney General William Barr to look into the origins of the Russia Spectacular. I had no problem when this took place. I want to know what the origins are. But it has been years. And we have no idea what's supposed to come of this. And there were so many people teasing, oh, it's coming. Oh, Durham's going to have it. And then somebody got... uh, uh, indicted and they pled guilty and it was, oh oh this is the start and then it was total silence and then you have this indictment of a lawyer by the name of Michael Sussman and you're like well this is a, a weird indictment because it's about false statements false statements seems to be the kind of thing that we work as as a catch-all as opposed to specific things of how the Clinton group And the Democratic Party may have moved about a lie regarding Donald Trump and Russia. So where are we in this? Not where we want to be, not what we believe. Where are we in the facts? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, the phone number, 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony, Kurt Schlichter joins us right now. You know him as a columnist at townhall.com and the author of the Kelly Turnbull of books. You can get the latest one split at amazon.com, S-P-L-I-T. Look for Kurt Schlichter and you can find his books there. You can also check out all of his books and get the audio books, which I do the voice of. He is also, uh, by training, a a trial lawyer as well as spending time in uh, the United States Army. He joins us right now, and I wanted to break this down into not what whether we think Hillary Clinton's a bad person. Uh, Full disclosure, I think Hillary Clinton's a bad person. I think Hillary Clinton would lie for the sake of lying. I think Hillary Clinton is duplicitous and dangerous. What I want to discuss is what John Durham's task is here, the U.S. attorney from Connecticut who has been working on this origin story, and what this Sussman indictment is, if anything. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. Sure, man. Always. uh, Talk to me about what Durham's uh, job is and what we make of this indictment of Michael Sussman. Well, Durham's looking at this whole uh, Russiagate thing, and he is, uh, he's taken his time. Uh, and time is the big issue. Time is why this Sussman guy got indicted when he did. The statute of limitations ran yesterday. It's five years. So we are five years from when he went to the FBI and misled the FBI, allegedly, uh, about who his client was. What he essentially said is, hey, here's, I have this evidence, and I'm bringing it to you as a good citizen. Uh, who just happens to work for the Democrats' uh, uh, in-house law firm and represents the Democrats personally within the law firm. Uh, As a good citizen, I want to bring you this information, and I'm not going to mention that I'm actually being paid to do it. It's my legal work. You know, part of the evidence is his billing records, as you know, uh, because you are an experienced and savvy uh, person. You know lawyers bill by the hour. They bill in time, and then they send you billing records, and you get point one, 
correspondence to Joe Blow regarding XYZ. You know, 0.7 of an hour review documents regarding ABC. His billing record showed when he went to the FBI, he was working for Hillary and the Democrats. But he didn't tell the FBI that. And that's kind of an important fact. You know, if somebody's coming to me and saying, I have evidence of a crime, well, that's that's Tell me what that is. Uh, do you have any other facts that are important? No, no, no. I mean, I'm working, you know, being paid by an enemy of the person I'm telling you about, but I'm not going to tell you that. That is kind of a problem. And false statements are a, a huge tool for the Fed. This is why my advice to anybody is when a, you know, a federal agent or any law enforcement agent guy says, I'd like to talk to you. Your answer is, uh, respectfully, I'm going to wait until I talk to my lawyer first. Uh, this wasn't one of those cases. This wasn't where he was, you know, uh, tricked and manipulated, uh, as General Flynn was. This was a case where he went in to give dirt on Trump and hid a key fact, which is I have a political motivation for this. So now the question is, how does any of that relate to the idea that Hillary Clinton told him to engage these facts, to set a story in motion about Trump with Russia to try and take down Russia. That's where this connection is, right? The I think people will look at false statement as, um, oops, right? They'll look at it as, as, as one of those. Not disclosing who you work with, I agree, is a problem. I'm not dismissing it. I'm one of the people who think that's a real serious thing. But now relate this to Hillary, to the entirety of of the Russia investigation, and does this send us on a path of understanding maybe where Durham is going, or does it still leave us in the dark about what we might see from him? Well, I, Tony, I think what we're going to see is uh, uh, some uh, conspiracy indictments, conspiracy to commit various federal crimes, including giving a false statement. Uh, conspiracy means essentially two or more people working together, uh, making uh, substantial, and I'm paraphrasing here, substantial moves uh, towards committing a crime. So I think we'll see that here. Now, here's the Hillary problem, and this is why you hire lawyers. He's a cutout. He insulates her. Uh, first of all, they have attorney-client privilege. Anything she says to him is privileged. He doesn't have to reveal it. She doesn't have to reveal it. There is what's called the crime fraud exception, and that could apply here. But the chance that uh, uh, in this case, and we see it in other cases where uh, privilege has been broken under crime fraud, they went uh, went after Michael Cohen, uh, who was Trump's lawyer, and got him to break privilege, although it didn't seem to work because Trump hasn't been indicted. but uh, I, I think it is unlikely that they will take that step with Hillary. Uh, look, I, I think she's going to be successfully insulated. If you think Hillary Clinton's going to end up indicted, I've got a bridge I'd like to sell you. I no, don't think that's going to be the case. Thing. I wholeheartedly agree with you uh, uh, on that. I think the, the the question before us is, does this indictment, because everyone was talking about it when it came out, does it do anything? Does this move no. the Durham case into a place where we're finally going to see something that would really set set the world on fire, or is this just as this just nothing? Yet it continues. Well, it, it's nothing yet it continues. Look, we all know what happened. They were in the midst of losing the election. They decided they would invent a uh, a, a crime 
That is Trump somehow colluding with the Russians. Maybe it wasn't a crime. Maybe it was just a political uh, thing. Uh, they all knew what they were doing. And we spent three or four years going and chasing in circles about it. And now nobody cares. And they never even cares because they all knew it was a lie to begin with. And when the lie stopped being useful, they just ignored it. And now they're kind of, uh, you know, pretending, uh, how, you know, haven't you moved on yet? This is part of the giant bigger problem, which is the lack of accountability within our establishment. We see that from everyone, from Mark Milley, you know, to Anthony Fauci, uh, to President Asterisk himself. You know, to, to hope that somehow there's going to be justice out of this uh, through a, a criminal justice process, I think there'll be some minions who get tagged uh, for various federal crimes, minor ones. The last guy who admitted uh, making false states to the FBI, well, you know, he, he's all done. He's practicing law again. The D.C. bar decided, okay, well, you can be a lawyer again. So there's, there's no real consequences for these folks. And so if you- we change that, we're going to have problems. So you're in the same place I am that, you know, when when Durham comes out with an indictment and you take a look at it, you're like, yeah, this doesn't this doesn't set the world on fire. People may talk about it, at, you know, when it first comes out. But once you take a look at it, you're like, yeah, I mean, and that, and that sucks. I'm not I'm not saying that's a good thing. It absolutely no, sucks. Terrible. But it is. I'm there. No, no. Look, we got to understand the reality here. We have an establishment that is uh, incompetent and arrogant and refuses to accept accountability. I mean, it, it, you know, 50 years ago, if you got caught in a scandal, you kind of resigned. Here, you just brazen it out, and you'll get, uh, if you're a liberal, plenty of the media supporting you. And that's a problem. Accountability is key to any system, and that includes criminal justice accountability. When you don't have that, you have chaos, and we have a dual system here. If you happen to put on your Viking horns and run through the Capitol, you're going to go to jail and be prosecuted for extending the law. If you happen to put on a black bandana and throw a Molotov cocktail into a police station, uh, your charges are going to get dismissed. That can ha- Look, that can go on for a little while. It is unsustainable in the long term, and it's all part of the same problem. Now I'm going to – let's talk a little military really quick before I let you go. And a lot of people making a lot of the French – recalling their ambassador because of this submarine deal that was created between the United States, Australia, and the United Kingdom. This about getting nuclear subs in and, and to Australia. This is clearly about patrolling the Indo-Pacific. This is clearly about dealing with China and trying to put a hedge on their desire for hegemony. France saying, how dare you leave us out of this, and recalls their ambassadors from the United States and from uh, Australia. I make the argument that while Biden is incompetent, this is actually a conversation about how France should have been notified as opposed to whether or not this is a smart maneuver for our military and for uh, American prosperity. That's how I, I don't think there's anything wrong with creating a deal, even on nuclear submarines, with the Australians. Am I off base? No, I, I, look, I think, I think at a strategic level, that may have some benefits. But France, look, nobody makes fun of the French more than I do. Uh, I have also worked with the French overseas, and they are tough and effective, uh, very frustrating. They are the Mitch McConnells of militaries. They get the job done, but they're going to drive you up the wall, and you want them on your side. They're our oldest ally. 
and to, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we really screwed with the French. And I was informed by all the smart people in Washington that the adults were back in the room. Well, you know, if these are the adults, let's find some kids and put them in charge. Because, you know, alienating a major ally like this, embarrassing it, especially when you have the Gallic pride at issue, that is so inept. There are ways to handle these things. And they, it was not handled. This is, a, this is a real problem. If the shooting starts, we want the French on our side. They are tough and they are effective. And we don't have a whole lot of allies who are willing to uh, uh, show up and perform, which they did in Afghanistan. So, again, this is about insulting them by not letting them into the conversation as opposed to us making a mistake in yeah. engaging with the Australians on this level. Uh, look, maybe, maybe nuclear uh, attack subs are a better strategic uh, uh, weapon system for the Australians. I, you know, I mean, that's, that's a debate that we can have rather than the quiet diesels that the French were making. And apparently the French were having a little trouble supplying them on time and it cost. But there's no excuse for a rupture like this. It, it, you know, there are ways to handle things diplomatically. You know, it, Biden could have said, look, you're not giving them to – look, don't give them to the Australians. I will pay for you to give them to the Vietnamese. The Vietnamese, who are also threatened by China, they're uh, better suited to use a less technologically sophisticated but still effective weapon system. We'll pay for it. That allows us to – help our new friends, the Vietnamese, and they're becoming our friends, if only because we share an enemy. Um, and then, so, France, you get the money. You, you, you don't get disrespected. Uh, we get the strategic asset of uh, uh, nuclear attack subs for the Australians. Everybody wins. But did they do that? No. No. The adults in the room, the guys who were supposed to unite us with our allies again. Uh, and, that's, and that's the freaking conversation. Talking to Kurt Schlichter, author, columnist, uh, U.S. Army retired. The conversation is exactly that about the adults in the room. These people don't know how to act and interact. They don't know how the very concepts of diplomacy work, yet they continue to lecture to us about the importance of diplomacy with, let's say, Iran and taking the side of the Iranians when they don't even do the right thing uh, by uh, an, an informing of the French like they didn't inform the UK and others about our horrific withdrawal from uh, Afghanistan. This is not only embarrassing, but this is where the real dangerous stuff takes place yes. because this is where the leadership actually is, or in this case, isn't. Well, uh, I mean, look, if you don't like Donald Trump's mean tweets, okay, I, I happen to love them. But what you <laughs> cannot dispute is his fantastic success in foreign policy. He uh, he ended uh, – once he got a good national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, who uh, was per perhaps the best national security advisor we've ever had, and I am aware of Kissinger, um, we solved the Middle East peace crisis. The thing that's been plaguing us for 70 years, we effectively solved it. We, 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 we solved the Kosovo-Serbia conflict. You guys didn't hear about that. That was, but that was a huge deal. You know, I, I served there. Americans have been serving there in that area for uh, nearly a quarter century. They solved that. You know, we were working with our allies, getting them together, getting, uh, you know, uh, blocking Nord Stream, blocking Putin's uh, 
maneuver to uh, substitute itself as the energy producer for uh, northern Europe. You know, we were doing great things. And then these idiots come in, and they have a nonstop, unbroken track record of total failure. And you've got the trained seals at the Washington Post and the New York Times flapping their fins as if these guys are somehow, you know, you know, Machiavellian geniuses. You know, they're the Cardinal Richelieu's of diplomacy. They're not. They're the Mr. Magoo's. Richelieu. Bravo. Richelieu. Bravo right there. That is Kurt Schlichter. Find him at townhall.com. The Kelly Turnbull books available at amazon.com. You can can actually uh, find those books. The audiobook read by uh, yours uh, truly. Find everything he does. Kurt Schlichter, S-C-H-L-I-C-H-T-E-R. Kurt Schlichter, always a pleasure, man. We've got more coming up on Tony Katz. So the markets are criminally insane right now. The Dow has been down over 800. As I'm talking to you, it's down 764. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And I'll try to make sense of it. I got with uh, economist Matt Will, Dr. Matt Will, the University of Indianapolis, kind of break down what's happening. And he starts talking about the Chinese real estate market, and my head exploded. So we had that conversation earlier. I'll share with that with you coming up so you have a basic idea of what is driving what's happening right now in the markets i I gotta tell you i i pay attention to a lot of things this was an interesting take for me and we did i i didn't edit it i shared it with you exactly as we had the conversation so you'll hear it it's like wait a second go over that again say that one more time uh a very very illuminating conversation with economist uh, dr matt will also illuminating uh this tweet from ford's theater ford's theater where where, what happened to ford's theater there producer ari that's where Lincoln was shot. That's where Lincoln was shot, and they put out a tweet. Do you ever feel we as a nation put Abraham Lincoln on a pedestal? What do you think might be a more useful, more complex, or more realistic way to think about or memorialize the 16th president? Oh, wait. We, we think too much of Abraham Lincoln? That's the problem? We, we have to get woke with Abe? We live in the upside down. This is, hey, how can we be better to a select group of people who weren't talking about us anyway? This is what guilt does to people. It, oh, it leads them astray. What in the world is going on with the markets? We talk with economist Matt Will coming up. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. All right, I know when I'm in over my head. I was watching the Dow Futures this morning, and it was down 600. I'm like, what in the bloody world is going on? It doesn't make any sense at all. The market doesn't react to anything going on now all of a sudden because, because what, infrastructure going down? The Dow is down over 600 in the, in the pre-market? In, in the futures? No, 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 not maybe not infrastructure. How about China's property market? And then I said, okay, 
Daddy's out. Daddy is out. I have no idea what we're talking about. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Everything at TonyKatz.com. Instagram, Tony Katz. Be sure to follow me there. I had a chance to speak with Dr. Matt Will, an economist, a professor, University of Indianapolis, to try and break down what this is. And I texted him. And I said, what in the world? And he's like, China property market knew it was coming. I'm like, knew it was coming. I didn't even know this was a thing. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now. So as I'm talking to you, the market is still in right a whole sorts of flux. At this very second, the market is down over 500, but it's been down even more. What in the world does this conversation about China's property market, and how is this affecting American markets? Well, well, Tony, let me let me start with a very, very fast history lesson. I was in China 10 years ago doing some research, and I noticed all these vacant apartment buildings. And I looked at some data that some provinces had, and in 10 years ago, there were 60 million vacant units that could house 210 million people. Tony, there's only 1.4 billion in China. I say only. 210 million people could fit in these vacant units. And I was asked people there, why is this? Well, they say the government keeps loaning money to build because they want economic development. So they were building empty apartment complexes. I could bore you with a long jokes about all these empty apartment complexes, only one person living in them. And I said, this is a bubble that's going to burst worse than anything in history. And I talked about it, and I did you know, some presentations on it. And what's happening is the Chinese government wouldn't let the bubble burst. They kept loaning money to all these massive real estate property owners. And then today, they said they're going to let China Evergrande Group fail. They are not going to prop them up. And everybody like me who knows the dirty little secret is now running for the hills because they know that all these Chinese loans that have been propping up the Chinese economy are going to default because there's nobody living in these apartments. There's nobody paying the rent. There's nothing to pay back these loans. It's all been printed money by the Chinese government. So now let's get into what I do know about this. These are referred to as ghost cities, and we have reported on them for years that these ghost cities are created to ensure jobs for people coming out of universities, for ensure jobs for people who are living under this communist regime. That's its whole purpose. And what I made the argument of is when the time comes, the Chinese government will bulldoze every single skyscraper. We're talking about 30, 40, 50 story buildings in many cases, including all three. They will bulldoze it all, clean off the land, and then start all over again to keep the jobs going, to keep their GDP growing, where they need about a 7% GDP to have themselves the kind of growth rate that they're looking for to deal with people coming out of universities to ensure jobs. I did not take the step two and take a look into where this money is coming from and the the idea of default on loans. The group that you're referring to is called Evergrande. E-V-E-R-G-R-A-N-D-E. The share is down over 15%, and it's being referred to as the Lehman Brothers moment. So now get into with me these specifics. If Evergrande was lent money by the Chinese government, and the Chinese government is saying, eh, whatever. I mean, is that the way it's working? It's, it's worse than that, Tony, because it's not just the Chinese government. It's me and you. How many of us have investments in Chinese mutual funds or indirectly in Chinese property or Chinese companies? 
We've invested our savings in these in these in these companies, and these companies cannot pay us back. That's why the stock market in the U.S. is is, is railing right now and across the globe because everyone knows the dirty little secret that these companies, if the Chinese government doesn't print money to pay back these loans, prop up these companies, you and I will be losing our money. I got photographs of these ghost cities. I don't. I didn't think I would get in trouble, and I didn't. But I was taking photographs of these things. There's just cranes everywhere and these empty buildings everywhere. I mean, you're right, Tony, 20, 30-story buildings with nobody in them. And they're city after city, I saw. Hold on a second. I want to take a step back with you, sir. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, professor, University of Indianapolis. Did you just say that U.S. citizens have investments in Chinese properties? Of course we do. Every every one of us probably threw a mutual fund. Because remember a few years ago, this is really nerdy, but the index funds of the world, like the MSCI index, once they started to include Chinese companies in their index, which a lot of people like me were against, every mutual fund that owned the index, in quotes, was required to own a part of the Chinese companies. And so we all own a part of these, whether we know it or not. I want to now go a, a step forward. Is it is anybody looking at this as a way of saying, well, if China was looking to further hurt the United States, this is a great way to do it because they can just bankrupt out whomever they choose and then give money in a different way back to anybody in China who needs the help? You know, Tony, that I always like to say we give a lot more credit than people deserve. I don't think anyone is that smart or that organized. I think what's really happening is the Chinese political parties are clamping down on business owners. And the business owners have been able to feed at the trough of the Chinese printing money forever. And they've simply said no. They said no to Jack Ma. They've said no to every investor in China that, sorry, we're not propping you up anymore. Take your losses and go home. This is uh, something we've reported on because we see that there are people who have been disappeared throughout China. Uh, the the, the um, richest woman in China has not been heard from. Jack Ma of Alibaba, who had talked about the problems with the banking system, he's being re-educated at the moment. If we were to follow what you're saying, sir, this is an unbelievably bad bit of PR for China, because two things would have to be happening. Number one, they would have to admit a failure of their own group, right? Because this is a group that's owned by uh, the Communist Party. And then they would have to admit that they are the ones who will no longer allow people to make a living. So the days of this idea of state-run capitalism, that, that, that moniker that people try to use, that's clearly over. And China's saying, nope, it's full-on Communism, period, end of list. I can't disagree with anything you just said, Tony. Well, that's that's unhelpful for an interview, but I'll take it. <laughs> I'm sorry. If, if I'm saying the right things. This, so uh, I, the reason I had reached out to you is that this didn't make any sense to me. But as you're now explaining the story, this is starting to become a rather frightening conversation. Take me to China. Take me to Evergrande. And what this does to other investment vehicles that United States citizens may be involved with that they aren't even sure they're involved with. Well, you know, remember when Greece was defaulting, and Greece has an economy smaller than the United States, 
and it's sent, or I mean, smaller than Indiana, I should say, and it's sent shockwaves across the world because we own Greece indirectly. Everyone, the, the economies of the world are, are very tied together. Money is what I call a fungible asset. It's like water. It's very easy to flow. And, the, and China is much bigger than Greece. And so when China starts defaulting, who, who, what's going to be the domino effect? Will it be the Chinese government? Will it be other companies in China? Will it be TikTok? You know, uh, Baidu, will it be the, the companies that you and I own? And the answer is yes, because they're all interconnected. We may think we own TikTok when, in fact, we probably own a piece of Evergrande because they are tied together. It's a financial market. Money is fungible. And when one domino falls, it's going to hurt lots of other dominoes. I'm not a fan of um, overarching and unyieldly uh, uh uh, onerous rules in, in in the markets, but is is there going to have to start being a real uh, not clampdown, but notifications? Hey, when you invest in this, you're really invested in that. Will we start seeing that uh, from uh, U.S. regulators? Well, you know what? I, I don't see. I think you and I are on the same page. We don't like regulation, but I think we both agree in disclosure, and I think that's the solution: disclosure. And then also, we should never have allowed China into the indices. When you allow them into the indices, you're, in a, you're assuming that they're from a free market and that those stocks are legitimate and they're trading honestly in a market somewhere. And they aren't. But the big people on Wall Street are pressuring everyone. Put that into your index. You've got to put it in. No, it's not a legitimate company. It's a government-owned puppet, and you should not include it in your index. So let's now make a different claim. Talking, talking to economist Dr. Matt Will, University of Indianapolis, and I caught myself saying, I'm, I, "This is the kind of stuff you do off the air," and I'm doing it on the air. I'm breaking all the rules of radio, but screw it, because because I think for a lot of us, we're not fully aware as to how deep these connections are. If this is true of Evergrande, well, then this is true of 27 other real estate-esque holding companies uh, or groups out of China. So is this the only domino, or is this the first of what we're going to see as a lot of dominoes to fall? Well, it, de it depends on if the Chinese government steps in and does a backstop. I am sure right now on the phone, International Monetary Fund, World Bank, um, Federal Reserve Board are all talking to their peers in the Bank of China saying, you, you better stop this, uh, print money, prop these companies up. Because, Tony, we haven't even talked about sovereign wealth funds. So, you know, all this trade imbalance that we have with China, which I'm, I'm in favor of free trade, they have all these dollars. All these dollars are going into sovereign wealth funds are being invested around the world. Maybe they're going to take those dollars out of the sovereign wealth funds. Maybe they'll use it to back up these companies. Who knows? I'm, I'm a little lost at what, at what we're discussing there. A sovereign wealth fund is what? Oh, a sovereign wealth fund. You know, whenever we buy something from China, they get all these dollars. Well, what does a Chinese company do with dollars? Well, they can't go down the street and buy their groceries, so they sell it to the Bank of China. Bank of China gives them local currency, takes the dollars, and then puts it in a big mutual fund. It's called a sovereign wealth fund, and they take these dollars and then invest them in the U.S. and other places of the world. So now, if if they're engaged in this backstop, they're engaged in, in propping up their other Chinese companies, your argument is what happens to the wealth fund? Yes. Do they go out of business, too? And if they go out of business, what happens? Well, guess what? They invest in U.S. companies. 
So that could be so, that could have dire consequences for our economy as well. But I so think that's secondary. These I think the more important thing, Tony, is we own these Chinese companies directly or indirectly. That's the simple message that's much more important to focus on. So if China doesn't backstop by printing money to keep these groups around, we will see people who have retirement investments that turn out to be tied to Chinese companies, which are now investing in American companies, all go belly up or in many ways go belly up. And therefore reduce their their retirement fund and reduce the the market overall that is correct and there's one more little twist that's a little confusing I have, I have former students of mine and friends that I know in China who work in the financial markets, and they tell me that actually there's bans on short selling. So we don't even know how bad it is, because in Shanghai, you cannot short sell without the government intervening and hauling you off to re-education. Short selling, for people that don't know, that means you take a bet that the market's going to drop. So we don't even know if people think the market's going to drop in China, because they're not allowed to make that investment. Oh, it just the hits just keep on coming. Uh, I appreciate the lesson. I mean, I I I, I swear to you, that, you know, you, I do everything I can to prepare, but there are things I don't know. And I was like, this is all happening. Like, tell me. So here it is. You experienced it with me, guys. Oh, there's a lot to dig into. Doctor Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time. I've got more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. All anyone had to do was not pay attention to the tweet. But no, you had to pay attention to Nicki Minaj, the singer, the rapper. You had to know and respond to the fact that her cousin has a friend who got the COVID vaccine and became impotent and got swollen testicles. You had to. You just couldn't leave well enough alone, could you? Oh, no, no, no. You had to be a part of this. And then news media, the woke folk, decides to go after her for spreading misinformation. And then Nicki Minaj, uh, being somebody who hits back, punched these people directly in the throat and started comparing them to what happens in China when they regulate free speech. And people are like, oh, my gosh, Nicki Minaj is making sense. 2021 is insane. Then we learned that some people decided to go after her family in Trinidad. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. As the story goes, a reporter had reached out to some family of Nicki Minaj in Trinidad, where this story supposedly happened about the cousin having a friend and the impotency and the swollen stuff and everything else. And texts them and says, hey, listen, CNN is, is, is looking for you. And when they find you, they're going to expose your name and your address and everything else. You don't want that to happen. You should talk to me instead. This reporter's doing this. You should talk to us uh, before, before they get to you. That way you'll be safe. So basically, that's a threat. That's a threat of something called doxing, D-O-X-X-I-N-G. That's where you put out somebody's uh, information, private information, whether it be address, whether birthday, whatever the case may be, to, uh, to have them be attacked or vilified, and you can utilize it as a threat. This is what CNN did to the guy who made the video showing Trump body slamming CNN all those years ago. And they found who did this and said, look, we know your name and we've got your address. If you ever do anything like this again, we're going to expose you. For that, CNN should be vilified. Garbage people. No, no, no. That's an insult to people who collect garbage. Despicable low rent people. 
who thought that was an okay thing to do to someone out there who made a dopey video. Well, that's what now is happening to Nicki Minaj's family. So she is coming out guns a-blazing. They've turned Nicki Minaj into a freaking folk hero. All you had to do was ignore the tweet. That's all you had to do. But you didn't ignore the tweet, you woke folk. You were going to tell her who's in charge. And what did you learn? She's got more followers than you. She's more important than you. She is stronger than you. Now how many people out there have got vaccine hesitancy? You take a look at the way they've attacked Nicki Minaj for this tweet, and the next thing you know, they're like, hmm, for all those attacks, she must be on to something. I'm not getting the vaccine. It makes your testicles swell. Although I don't think they say it like that. Sometimes you leave well enough alone. I said I wasn't going to talk about the story. But then the story became a story of free speech. I always talk about free speech. This infrastructure disaster is blowing up in the Democrats' face, and I could not be more pleased. I've got the latest coming up. This is Tony Katz today.